Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 4th. Andy, how we doing? Brendan and Kevin. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I'm doing good, you know? We are joined by ESPN. What's the title now? Senior Reader, uh, Senior Writer, His senior Excellency? Reader. What is senior, it? Senior Reader sounds like a great gig. Uh, still writer. But, senior yeah. Writer? What is it? Like, come on, be formal yeah. with us. It's a senior writer. Okay, yeah. Kevin Van Valkenburg. Uh, doing a little more golf writing. Wrote about Aaron Rodgers. It's just a mix of everything. What, do you, what was your last, last thing? Tiger Woods, right? Tiger One Woods, year. yeah. yeah. Kevin, decided, uh, to, decided to you know make all the Tiger fanboys real mad by asking some basic questions from the police report. So. Oh, yeah. Basic yeah. questions. Yeah. Basic. He, he's enough. the one who said it's in the police report. So That's true. We looked, in, we looked in the police report. Well, I was just doing what Tiger said. That's true. That's true. There's yep. Yeah. Yep. Definitely some questions raised from that report which you wrote about eloquently for uh, ESPN. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for the That's time. The- where did I find the article? What's ESPN? I, I haven't heard of that outlet. <laughs> e- ESPN.com backslash. Uh, remember when ESPN was like ESPNGo.com? Go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, was, that was a throwback to that. I could never figure that out, but it was like the, the engine, right? The whatever, the, the yeah. ISP. Anyways, wanna, we don't need to get into that. Go ahead. I want to put to bed any uh, rumors that I might have been suspended from the Shotgun Start for six months from my last appearance, uh, which is. Uh, lives in shotgun start infamy uh as the the caves valley episode so it's the nadir of this it was it was it was a legitimate jet ski injury i don't want anyone to (laughs) to speculate otherwise (laughs) well we all are set up in microphones this time so we think the audio quality will be better i think your gain's a little too high still yeah Yeah. we're toying with microphones but it's better than me shouting (laughs) screaming at my windshield as i barrel down you know, I-95 back home to D.C. after, you know, the thick boy was enraged running around Caves Valley threatening hecklers. That was another golf column of yours in the past year, right? right. Remember I'll, yeah, column. I'll just every six months or so I'll write a golf column and then uh, kind of work my way into my various uh, chosen media outlets. So, All right. Well, you are joining us today because... Uh, they're kind of doing the Flashback Friday work for us. We, we were tweeting you, you offered us something that we could never, ever pass up, is that do not do any research. I, I will come with all of it, and I want you to be shocked. I mean, that is a proposition that, that you know, I cannot, I cannot pass on. An offer you so, couldn't refuse. I, I definitely, yeah. <laughs> Flashback Friday is going to be about Phil Mickelson's baseball experiment, and we're going to leave it at that, let you take the reins. But we'll get to that in the you know back half. Let's do a quick cleanup. We're doing this early on Thursday. Uh, we have PIP results. We have Rory, you know, seeking for, uh, you know, providing forgiveness for Phil. We have, you know, PR Open is, is ongoing and just uh, worse than ever, it seems, aside from Kiradek Happy Barnrat making inroads. So let's talk about some of the news that's developed 
over the last, I don't know, 48 hours. The big one is the PIP results. They published this. Now, this was supposed to be a very private sort of exchange of money going on behind the scenes. Never supposed to get out. Of course, when they created this thing and the word meltwater mentions came in, the phrase meltwater mentions came into our life, there was no way that this was going to be able to hide in the dark corners of the global home. Um, And it's out in the open. They just, Tour knew it it was hopeless, that it was going to be hidden. So they just published it themselves on their website, which, you know, works 60% 60% of the time, who knows? So maybe, you know, they thought maybe that was a way to hide it, publishing it on their website, but who knows? Uh, the winner is Tiger Woods. He's our $8 million winner. You got to make, a, what about the formatting? The formatting was really good. I mean, it was a memo that, like, it was tab on one line, tab over on the other. Like, it was all out of whack. You'd think, like, with $40 million being dispersed, you know, that they could format the document but it, it was amusing how, how, how it was sent around uh the winners think they, they have a whole formatting room in the in the global home right <laughs> there, there would be just one room dedicated to formatting having yeah. columns making sure they're aligned uh tiger's the winner at eight million phil is the runner-up at six million rory is third spieth fourth thick boy fifth jt uh his bucket is filled half full at three and a half million dollars uh, DJ seven, Brooks eight, Rom nine, and Bubba ten. Bubba seemed to be, I don't know, I guess the surprise of certain people. But there, there was a, there was an appendix with all the sort of the metrics and who ranked where and what. Nielsen, Q, Meltwater, all this other stuff. What are your initial reactions to this pip, uh, this this pip race coming to a close, Kevin? Uh, gosh, I mean, I guess if I were running a secretive algorithm that no one could really discern what was what, I would probably would have done a better job manipulating it so that like Colin Morikawa made it into the tenth spot just to yeah. get him some free money. Uh, I don't, I don't. You quite, don't think Baba deserved? <laughs> I don't quite grasp. Uh, you know what? I don't like. It, it's clearly like Twitter stuff is not weighed very heavily no. in the pip rankings, uh, which is kind of funny that we like. We spent like a year making jokes about, uh, you know, always oh, trying to tweet his way onto the pip or whatever. And like Jim Herman. Jordan, yeah. Like Jordan Spieth, Jordan Spieth only tweets about his charity and yeah. basically like that's how he ends up. Uh, so whether like, I think I would have, uh, I just think it was la- maybe laugh like that, that meme about I spent all this months, all this time investigating this. And then like, then they just tweeted it out. It's yeah. like Eamon dug up the fact that the pimp existed. And now there's like this secretive thing. And now the tour is just <laughs> tweeting it out. <laughs> so. uh, you know, yeah. some anger over tiger, some anger over tiger, you know, some grumps out there. Like how does a person who's never hit a shot, Kevin Nah was tweeting about that. Yeah. Uh, like, come on, Kevin Nah. And then you've got the socialists. Like I saw Rick Lamb, Who's you know a KFT player was tweeting that you know if they split eight million among the eight hundred <laughs> members or fringe members For, forty million if they split the forty million forty million among the eight hundred that would be fifty grand for everybody so you know we're now you know the, the socialists on the PGA Tour have have crept up uh, so there was some backlash about Tiger well, winning it without hitting a shot I want to point one thing out. In any endeavor, when you select 10 spots, if they had selected 20, if they had selected 15, if they selected 50, there's always number 51. There will always be one person that's outraged about this. If they did Rick Lamb's 800, whoever's 801 
would be outraged about, you know, why does this extend? So that's one thing. The other thing that I want to just illuminate, which I think I saw a tweet about from Ken Hideki Wynn, who I don't know where he's been. Yeah, that's a good point. But the Hideki Matsuyama snub, I think, is by far the greatest one of all of them. He won the Zozo and the Masters, and he's in arguably... The most golf crazed country in the world. He's from there. I don't know what this algorithm did, but the fact that he didn't finish eleventh, that he didn't finish twelfth or whatever, who I forgot who came in twelfth, is absolutely preposterous. Because like outside of the Brooks DJ or the Brooks uh, Bryson video, like him winning the Masters, that video was the most viral video that came to light in twenty twenty one. So how is how is he not like how does he not make when you talk about impact pure impact between the the Olympics in Japan the uh, the Masters and and the Zozo win in front of his home country how is he not there like I don't think that you could have a better year as a Japanese golfer than that man had and it it I think it it share, sheds extreme light on like. These are all American-speaking golfers, and I don't think you can win this. You can win money as a non-American-speaking golfer. Yeah, we need to check the, the non-English, on. non-English-speaking yeah. golfer, Americans. <laughs> uh, the only non-Americans on the list are Rory and Rom at three yeah. and nine. Uh, so I think Canadicki wins was point was like this is just like a. I don't know if he'd said jingoistic, but it's a countermeasure by the tour to keep like Americans who are. Maybe considering a rival upstart league that was abroad at home. I mean, it, it certainly achieved that goal in terms of getting those players the cash, right? Can you um, imagine like, being an accountant, like a forensic accountant person or whatever, and having to enter like, oh, this Bubba video about his candy store got like <laughs> <laughs> like 1.3 million views. They gotta, gotta watch how Bubba's creeping into the top 10. Hey, I'd like Grant to also Thornton point out. Audited, the audited. Independent auditor Dude. Grant Thornton certified the results. Okay. While many have been under the impression, this is a tour getting pissed. While many have been under the impression that the player impact program is a, quote, social media contest, the scope of the metrics includes five criteria obtained from objective third-party data measurement ser- services. So they're trying to get, you know, pop back at people who think it's just this uh, engagement impressions race. So, uh, well, but Grant Thornton, they're, they're on the ones certifying it. Yeah, I mean... It's kind of crazy because all we ever hear about Hideki is, is his entourage of media that clearly write about him all the time. So yeah. you'd think he'd do well in earned media. Right. You'd think he'd right. do well in internet searches. He had the, you know, on top of winning the Masters, he had the, um, the hat thing and the walking through the Atlanta airport thing, which was oh, super God. viral. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he has all these things. And then the yep. TV exposure, it's an interesting thing because the TV exposure, players don't really have the control of that. That's somebody else. Right. Yep. Yep. It's the, it's the, yeah. What is I'd DJ also Piazzi? like to know what the, the, keeper the, of the takes is. or something yeah. like that, right? The, the producers are the keeper of the takes. Or they can sort of shape the entire thing. So. How do you think they score the general, a player's general awareness score among 
broad U.S. population. Do you think they pull people in like North Dakota for that? <laughs> that is Hi. pretty mur- murky. Hi, I'm calling from Grant Thornton. Uh, thing. I'm, I'm here to talk to you about some of your favorite PGA players. I wonder if you had a few minutes to, to, to you could tell me if you know who Colin, Mon- Colin Morikawa is. No? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, how about Bubba Watson? So yeah. the big news, everybody got their tweets off, uh, myself included, was that Tiger edged out Phil after Phil had sort of done a premature victory lap. And Tiger, I mean, puts him in a body bag. If Tiger started tweeting, like, earnestly, you know, he's not, I don't know that he's a good trash talker, but if he just, like, you know, started settling old scores or resettling old scores, people he's already killed and he's digging them up to kill them again, uh, that would be fun use of his Twitter. You know, if he's a Stephen Ames, all of a sudden he starts tweeting about him. Uh, that would be a good use of his Twitter. And he's did that to Phil. He screenshotted it, as several people noted. So Phil's old tweet claiming he'd won on his way to Maui earlier this year, uh, you know, wouldn't get the juice. Phil didn't get the juice, right? Because he screenshotted it. And that's a, it's a sneaky little end around that, you know, some of the sneakier folks on social media know how to do. And Tiger's ado- adopting those. Turns out Tiger does know golf media. He does does know the (laughs) tactics of screenshot instead of retweet. By the way, you guys have no problem with Tiger winning. Do you? Do you, Kevin? He didn't hit a shot and he won $8 million? No, but like, I guess, I mean, look, you've got to base some of it off of like just general awareness and like Google searches or whatever traffic. Isn't it kind of weird to think, though, that like that probably means that like Tiger's accident yeah. factored into him winning the pip? Like it was that was a huge, huge, huge deal, right? And so that they couldn't like not count that and be like, oh, well, that's that's negative impressions for the tour. So like all of that had to. That's the deal with analytics, right? Is like you can't discern between like good and bad in the numbers. It's just the numbers of the numbers. So Tiger won the pip maybe in part because. He got into a car accident where he almost lost his leg. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. It's, a, it's an odd sort of... But, like, look, Tiger's made so much money for... Like, every one of these guys has basically just hand over their money to Tiger anyway and say, like, hey, this is, like, back dues that we owe you because we never would be making this kind of money if it wasn't for you. So I think every opportunity the tour can have to pay Tiger more is probably money well spent. Right. right. Yeah, Bubba, I agree. Bubba was the shocker for me, right? But apparently he's just, like... Big on TikTok. He's lighting it up on TikTok, doing these oh, dances nice. and these voiceover things. Apparently, that's like the, that was the clincher for him. He also had the book tour. Remember, yeah. he, he released his he al- book. He was on the Today Show and doing all that stuff. He but, also had Big J uh, out to Pensacola Country Club for the member guest. Did they win? I think that's what did it. <laughs> well, there's an article on PGATour.com about it, I think, if I remember correctly. Andy, what are the what are the ethics about like bringing a pro to your member guests? Because mine's coming up at my club, and I have like a an LPGA player who I'm friendly with, who I think we could come and shoot like nine or twelve under pretty easily. And like, could I? Is it wrong for me to bring her? I've never participated in the member guests before at my club. That's a good question. You know, I, my, most of my experience is in caddying and member guests, but I would say yeah. that uh, that I think that uh, the hard thing is the handicapping. Does she yeah. have Does she Let's have a, a valid handicap? If she has a valid handicap, I think it's okay. But then you know you're going to be she's going to be hitting two off most of the par three tees. True. You know, is that something that you want? Do you want to, you, you're, the pressure is then going to fall on you on those par threes because she makes a par, you're taking bogeys. 
That's true. It, it's going to put you in the top flight, right? And now all of a sudden you got to play. You got to get on your horse, Kevin. Yeah. It, it would be interesting. The I'll other thing that happens is sometimes they have um, caps on, on handicap gap. So okay. say like say a scratch yeah. is playing with a 14. They'll say, okay. well, the max difference in handicap right. is only 10. So, you know, then the 14 has to play as a 10, you know? Right. So, you know, there could be some implications. I think you could bring her, you know? Okay. I think, you know, that that's... I, I think that there's no harm in that if she has a handicap. She can't go there and play as a scratch, though. That's that's No, I think she's like a cool. plus, plus four or plus five or something. So I just was curious. I, it would be a good way to get some, some death stares from some dudes who, like, I don't play any of the leagues there or whatever, but I show up and all of a sudden, you know, we shoot, we shoot like 62 or whatever. Yeah. They would be real. Cause I, I think, think we the, should... The winning score is always like 67. It's not like a super competitive member guess. I think we should start a media pip. I like it. Okay. And that could be a big pip play. And then people would say, you bring a a, a pro to your member guest was just all a pip play. So you could post, uh, you know, a victory, you know, and see all the social impressions that that a victory. I could definitely do a TikTok dance after uh, (laughs) the uh, the victory. But do you you think that uh, this is going to lead to a influx of TikTok content from the world's best players? God, who would be good on TikTok uh, amongst the people? Like uh, DJ, DJ would be good on TikTok. Yeah, just right. let Pol- Polina oh, run the run the TikTok account. You know, their little their little uh, dance on the boat or whatever that everyone always tweets. About. Yeah, that was like yeah. a, a very clearly like a TikTok type uh, dance. Right, so. right. Uh, Phil, do you think Phil was buoyed by a supported? Uh, I mean, Phil's better today because he has six million dollars richer, or is it just? I mean, he's worried about Tiger put him in a body bag. Is, is Phil? I think I don't he worried. I think he's worried that he had two million stolen from him. That's I what think, I think he's thinking about right now. I went and played Kapalua, and I didn't even win this fucking thing. They lied to me. He feels like he's been justly lied to. He's well, saying you, I went to Maui. You know, like think about the way he's reacted to this whole thing. I went to fucking Maui because of those guys. They stole money from me. You know, it cost me a hundred thousand dollars to get there on my on a private jet, and I have had this money stolen from me it's two million dollars plus his expenses to maui he might have there might be somebody out there like holding an eight million dollar marker that phil took out before the results came in so now he's two million dollars in the hole oh god (laughs) two million plus expenses doesn't seem you know so that was somebody i think will gray someone tweeted there it is like a note like when's tiger gonna play you have to play an event you haven't played in four years right um I think Kyle Robbins tweeted, give Charlie an exemption to Zurich and have them play Zurich. <laughs> Father, son, is now the Zurich. I mean, they cited, they cited Charlie in the PGA Tour release. They cited they Charlie they, as like one of the things at the PNC Championship in December. Woods' son, Charlie, wowed for a second consecutive year while Tyre looked on and smiled. That is another thing. Do you think they went public with this just as another F you to Phil? Like, hey, not so fast, my friend. You're actually second. Let's celebrate Tiger some more and make sure people know Phil did not win. Yeah. I mean, it could have been another subtle shot. It's also like kind of a super like succession type move to kind of leak to Phil that he was leading the pit oh, yeah. and that he was going to win. And then 
just turn around Both and knife him in the end. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, all right, that's enough on the pip. Unless you guys have any other parting thoughts, right? Yeah. Is that I have good? to think on we some level that Phil probably respected what Tiger did, right? Because that's the Phil's tweet. whole game. Yeah, like the, the, Phil's probably like made him laugh. Like as down as Phil's probably been, he's probably on a ski hill in Montana somewhere. Like you know contemplating just skiing off of the end of the abyss never to be seen again pulls out his phone right. <laughs> looks sees the tigers dunked on him and just kind of gives like a nod and be like you know what that's pretty good that's, that's, but, that's pretty but good. then also is mad that he didn't get the impressions from it wondering you yeah. know maybe texted tiger you could have at least retweeted my tweet yeah. you know that would have been really funny if phil had said that that would have been a way for phil's like comeback tour to begin right there yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're recording it's, it's, this. It's not that hard, actually, to hit retweet. It's true. It's true. Some people can't some. do it, though. It's just yeah. It's hard yeah some, sometimes I sometimes I've thought about about sending that tweet to some people. It's not that hard to hit retweet. Yeah, uh, we're recording this early on Thursday. Roy McIlroy is out fast again at Bay Hill. He's seven under through seventeen. Seems like, you know, I call them the Baron of Bay Hill on, on Wednesday, and he certainly is that in addition to the Prince of Ponte Vedra. Um, it seems like we're headed for an important weekend again for Rory, heading into the players, you know, as he you returns know, home, carried on his... Th- Bay Hill's uh, always a constant reminder of what, what the tour looked like when Rory got out there and who the best long iron player was and why he was so great. Yeah, that's true. But the only notable thing so far on Thursday... Is the burnt cheeseburger getting some airtime? Can I play this clip? Pat and Orr, yeah, uh, yeah just but, uh, drop it, it in there. It's drop it in good. there professionally. You know, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think it's Danny Chops, actually. Jumped up to number eighty-three in the official world golf rankings, but still not the highest-ranked Austrian in the world. That's burnt cheese. Burnt, sorry, burnt cheeseburger. His name burnt Weisberger, sixty-seven. So. Still has. Keep That's PGA Tour Live today. Burt Cheeseburger, Andy's idiotic, stupid. It's nickname. not actually mine. It's it's Avon Lynch's from okay. way back at the all right. up all night for the Open. I was hyping burned Weesburger, and he goes, "I don't want to talk about the burnt cheeseburger." Well, it's now that's the origin the, story. It's in the record on PGA Tour Live. Somebody said that it was Call Swatton. I think it might be Danny Chops, but I don't know. At least Somebody else said had... it might be Aaron Price. Nobody knows. I don't know if anybody's going to come <laughs> bit... come up for air and say that it was them. But we'll we'll find out. Story. This is a developing story. Um, so, go ahead, Kevin. Oh, it just it makes me laugh that like there's like faceless automatrons on PJ Tour Live that could be anybody. It could be any yeah. of their many, many announcers that we can't there's no way to know. They're, they're I don't know if they want to identify themselves. I don't know if it outs them as a listener of this podcast or just a, yeah. an idiot in general, but it, it's pretty good that we've now had the town crier, the baton boy, and the Burt Cheeseburger have all been a PGA Tour Live broadcast. So I'm gonna have to, if, there is, if there is gonna be a media pip, I'm gonna feel like I'm gonna have to file an appeal because like the secret uh, infiltration of PJ Tour Live with shotgun star <laughs> nicknames feels like it's unfairly weighted your guys' way. Uh, but Rory's out early. I had some thoughts about Rory. He is now, you know, Phil came into the confession booth. He, he's, you know, did the sacrament of reconciliation. Maybe we'll see. Um, and Rory, you know, had some humane things to say. Like Phil, we want we, Phil will be back. We want to see him back. He's done such a wonderful job for the game of golf. He's represented the game of the golf very, very well. 
We all make mistakes. We all say things we want to take back. No one is different in that regard. Hopefully he comes back at some stage, and he will, and people will welcome him back and be glad that he is back. I think that's fine. It's a fine sentiment. Uh, what I had an issue with, I feel like Rory's, I don't know, Rory wants everybody to love him. I think he's trying to play all sides of the fence here. Uh, you know, he buried Phil, buried him like 10 days ago. He's egotistical, selfish, ignorant, naive, all those words, whatever they were, that he threw out there at Riviera. Sad, sad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's sending home reevaluating sad. himself. Yeah. Um, he goes, he's still a wonderful ambassador for the game of golf. Quote, really? That's right. I had an issue. It's unfortunate that a few comments that he thought he was making in confidence or off the record Ooh. got out there and were, pause, not used against him. It seems like he wants to say that. <laughs> but this whole situation was unfortunate. Um, it's not unfortunate. I think, like, Rory, you were pretty anti-Saudi, right? You didn't want that thing to happen. These quotes getting out there, I don't know if they were precipitating cause of that thing going under or if it would have happened anyway, but I think it had an impact on the thing you wanted to be beaten being beaten. So, like, he, he kind of got to ride that horse. I don't know that it's a high horse. It's maybe the right horse last two weeks ago. It's and not he has a low for, horse. He has for two years. Let's to his credit, right? He's been on the record about this. But, like, you kind of can't take that stance. And then also, I mean... Look, him and Alan Shipnuck had some tension around the Ryder Cup, right? When Alan said that, you know, and that may be passive aggressive. It may be just passive. It may be totally in jest. Uh, but, like, I don't want to get on the inside journalism ethics too much of it. But, I mean, it seems like he's taken a swipe, a side swipe at Alan here. But, like, the quotes were published and like I have to almost 99% believe obtained ethically uh, and they were published as a big part of it had an impact in defeating the Saudi thing and him being able to talk about that 10 days ago in the way that he did to sort of take a, a victory lap and be on the right side of that which he's been on since the beginning so I sort of had an issue there with him like wanting to play all sides of the fence and everyone to love him I understand that the temperatures have cooled and it's time to talk about bringing Phil back into the tent. I don't know that it is. Seems too soon. But I just had an issue with that. I don't know if you agree or disagree, Kevin. It's interesting to me that uh, a lot of the people who are suddenly concerned with journalism ethics, like, don't <laughs> seem to care. Like, that. What what does it really matter if I guess from their perspective? All right, let's say let's not from my perspective. Obviously, protecting someone's. Uh, you know, comments on or off the record matters. But if you're not like a journalist or whatever, how does it suddenly make it okay for you that Phil thought these things and yeah. was willing to say these things, but just didn't want them published? Like, and in that way, it makes Phil all the more like kind of duplicitous, right? Like, right. if you, you should want Phil to like, just basically own what he said. If you believe, you know, that it, you, you can't just have, be a Phil backer and be like, well, it should be fine. If Phil was just kind of being a, dishonest you know person in private like it's right. it kind of it's it's not like phil can just make up like oh that doesn't represent how i actually feel like it, you know phil had to own those quotes so that's what i find to be a little silly rory are you right like i think rory probably is is driven between some dislike of phil and some you know annoyance towards alan and so he's yeah. like you know what I can't really 100% like take Alan's side because I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. So right. he wanted to it kind of... like he wanted to land a shot there. And yeah. it doesn't, but it's in conflict with everything else that 
comments on on the actual substance, the underlying mm-hmm. substance, right? He probably still listen, figures listen, he has to Phil again at some point too. So. Yeah. Alan doesn't have the journalistic integrity of a Carson Daly, so you know. <laughs> oh, come on, where is Carson? God, what? I, sorry. I'm sorry, I had to just land a shot. I just did. I, I'm no better than Rory. Yeah, how many but like those golf pass podcasts? Like they were supposed to be like a weekly thing. It ended up being like yeah. three. You know, yeah, they went away quickly. Uh, anyways, it got I, disappeared. I, so <laughs> it happens. Uh, also, it's like the liar, you got they got he got walked down. They got walked down the block. You know, to the row house. Anyways, I I don't want to be anti Rory. I just saw. I mean, everybody commends Rory every time he opens his mouth, and I think that's usually right. We love I love the way he's candid and talks. But I just well, he also he also opined about how the PGA Tour is the greatest sports league in the world for athletes, and how being part of the pack accurate. It might it might it might be accurate for some of the tour. I think I personally think it's accurate for being number one hundred and fifteen. There's no better sports league to be a very average, mediocre athlete. I agree with that. I don't think it's true for being a superstar. I think it's one of the worst ones. And I also think the most most importantly, it's the worst sports organization to be a fan of. Maybe wow. other than baseball. baseball. He's not talking like Hold that. Hold on. He's t- <laughs> Major League baseball. baseball is probably the worst sport to be a fan He's of. He's talking about a perspective point. from the player, from the, the, the actual. I, I know, but that's an important thing to, to weigh in your thing. You know, and the more popular you are with fans, guess what? The, more, the better it is to be an athlete in that said organization. Right, right. Um, it's pretty good time to be an NFL quarterback, right, Kevin? For sure. Not so much to be like a one of the no. chum, chum linemen uh, or a still, running back. Yeah, still chum, chum. Can't even get out of your rookie contract if you're a rookie bat. You're, yeah. you're no. basically used up forever by the time you're 29 as a running back. Uh, but it's good to have Rory back on the leaderboard. He'll no doubt defend next. Or I'm not, I guess he's not defending, but he'll be back uh, next week too at the players. Hey, Can do I, you guys uh, think? While well, we have you here, yeah, Phil, do you think Phil plays the players next week? We'll know Friday five o'clock is when the official list comes out. Someone may break it before then. Do you think he'll be playing next week? No, no chance. No, he hates the players. He, no. The last three years, he's been holding them over a barrel, making them wait till Friday before. Remember yeah, that's that? True. He's been doing the. I, I don't play, know if I I'm going to play the player. I hate yeah. the. I hate that course. You it know? would be so, such a like tail between his legs, pledge my fealty to like a, like a game of thrones scenario where like they just killed your whole family but now you have to like pledge your fealty to them <laughs> a ned stark situation phil coming into king's landing <laughs> um, or uh what was that reek reek is yeah. a reek situation that's right yeah uh, i don't know any about this dragon show yeah. i don't know any of his names or characters um the one thing you know uh, the bottom of his apology did make it sound like it would be a while, right? Even yeah. if he, if he, even if he were welcome, and I don't know that he would be. It doesn't, you know, doesn't sound like he would play on on his own volition either. I, I think, I think, you know, and this is just we're educated guessing here. I think the Masters is uh, becoming highly doubtful for Phil, yeah. and I don't. I, I think even that is is becoming doubtful. Um, I say I I, if he doesn't play like Valero before the Masters, yeah. I think there's no chance he plays the Masters. And you know why? Is because he has to go 
in public and like take all the grief. Like they don't yeah. want him to be like sitting in that interview room with the quaint like number twelve backdrop behind his uh, his head yeah. there, just taking bombs from people right and left. Uh, and so if I if I were Ridley, I would say, you know what, you know, son, you want to play here? Like go and Fred like and Phil have some history, right? Like wouldn't they play together back on a Walker Cup? Uh, maybe I made that up, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they may have totally I don't that remember up. that one. Uh, but uh, maybe, you know, you just tell him, like, look, go play somewhere else, do a big press conference, and then when you show up at Augusta, basically just say over and over, you know, I've, I've talked about that, I addressed all that last week, I respect your question, but I, I'm just going to, I'm here to play golf this week, I'm excited to talk about the golf, and that might be okay to the, the Green Jackets. Uh. So it's crazy. The, I mean, he'll get a lot like of questions about the rights uh, about the rights to the shot on thir- uh, thirteen at, at Augusta. <laughs> because Augusta, yeah, it just seems like that's you know we we no laying up had the uh, report about Bryson's wrist or his injury right that Augusta's best case for him. I think it's I think it's I think I think Phil's probably doubtful for that. It's just coming up fast now a month and and. Uh, I don't know whether it's by his own choice or not. It just seems like it's increasingly doubtful. And I would agree with you guys that the players is a, a no chance though. We'll find out officially on Friday when the, here's a question. Um, is Phil taking all the blame? Just, just getting hammered for this and doing it purposely (laughs) so he can keep the Saudi money. Would you let him keep the Saudi money if you were MBS? Like, great, great to well, be in, in the Atlantic today about it. He stink. He, all sides are he's still committed to them. He hasn't, he hasn't backed out. He hasn't pledged his support of the tour. I think this might be a whole play to keep the $100 million that he might have already been given. <laughs> uh, yeah, what was the maybe. piece of the Atlantic? Kevin, you were just uh, so the big big piece in the Atlantic uh, today about MBS and sort of the um, his attempts to modernize Saudi Arabia. It doesn't really get into sports washing, but it talks uh, a lot about the motivations that MBS has to try to sort of um, remake Saudi Arabia and also still be like a scary MFR uh, at the same time. And so uh, it, there's basically a quote in there that's like, you know, I didn't kill Jamal Khashoggi because like. If I'd have wanted to kill Jamal Shui, I could have killed him, but he's not even on the top 1,000 people that I'd like to, to murder, essentially. And that's that's a little paraphrase, but it's essentially straight up. So, like, if I were Phil, I wouldn't be, like, flying into any countries that, like, the U.S. doesn't have some sort of, like, jurisdiction or extradition <laughs> treaty in. Like, these are some people that you don't particularly want to cross, and MBS right. is definitely the kind of dude who you should probably not cross. So, like, you know... That, that apology may have had a little bit more to it than uh, we've thought through in terms of like, oh, the butt's about the money. Yeah, but also like you could really get in some some deep, dark trouble. <laughs> talking. We'll get the we'll, we'll get the flashback Friday, but I, I actually want to bring this up because I've had a few people bring, raise this to me on the side now, uh, just like random like DMs and things like. Are we. And I don't. Th- I don't agree with this. Are we piling on Phil in a way that we didn't Tiger when Tiger had his? I mean, I don't know that they're an apples to apples comparison. I mean, I'm speaking of Tiger in 2009. There have been probably a couple falls for Tiger. The DUI in South Florida would mm-hmm. certainly be one of them. The mug shots there, but like people have said, like, hey, you know, you guys are celebrating this Tiger tweet of him rolling up Phil, and it's like this this sort of 
avalanche of piling on Phil in the last month or so. Um, we're doing that in a way just because we don't agree with the politics of the Saudi Arabia piece of it. Um, and that's the only reason it's being, you know, that's why it's so unanimous. And we never would have done this to Tiger. Do you agree with that at all? I feel like Tiger got pretty piled on in whatever yeah. it was. Oh, nine, I mean, 10. It just wasn't Twitter. I, think about, I feel like the internet is a big part of that, right? Yeah. Like, think about how many like late night jokes that like Jay Leno and Dave Letterman made about Tiger Woods' this situation. Right. Like nobody right. cared. Like Jimmy Fallon's not making jokes about Phil Mickelson because it's just too hard. Like most people, I think we've said like I still think like seventy five percent of the golfing public doesn't really understand what happened with Phil and will be stunned if he's not at the Masters because they're just not paying attention. So I think like. It, there is like a green light to dunk on Phil, and we'll do some of that later in this podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't. I think that with like Tiger, it, there is here's what I think is the same is like the motivation to reveal someone's kind of hypocrisy is sort of fun. And so when Tiger had his fall, you know, he had been sort of sold to us as like this yeah. perfect superhuman who you know was like this super Buicks. family man, sells Buicks, was his corporate drone or whatever. And it turns out that he's like a sexual deviant, you know, that, well, that was like kind of funny for everyone to celebrate. So there's this desire to kind of dunk on him about it. Well, at the same time, some pushback being like, that's none of your business. And this like Phil has been sold as like this every man, like this kind of, you know, the kind of guy that everyone loves to sort of, you know, cheer for and watch him take daring risks. And he's just, you know, he's like us, he loves to gamble, loves to be on Twitter and be extremely online and have fun. And so now it's like, well, he's revealed himself to be kind of a greedy narcissist. So we're going to completely like just absolutely boot him in the face and stuff. And uh, you're right, like about Rory's the beginning of the sort of eventual redemption tour although i think that like other bullets will come at phil that will make such oh, things yeah. hard uh he, in he's the got future a, what 30 40 year of public life with, with yeah. stuff that's happened that might you know he's been in public for 30 or 40 years with a lot of private things that that happen in one's life in 30 or 40 years and it seems like there could be more there there's more bullets he said you know yeah. it sounds like alan's got more on the book and there's just a lot of stuff floating out there in the ether if there's um, there's got to be galley copies floating around of Alan's book. Like if you're Phil, wouldn't you wouldn't you pay like ten thousand dollars for one just to know what's coming? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I bet he may he may have it. I don't know. Uh, all right, should we move on to Masters fact of the get day? Hey, how about use golf facts? Get well, back. Can I just share? Uh, that's actually. I'm glad you brought that up because it, I have to share my one favorite uh, Bay Hill anecdote, which I feel like I, I may have said before on this podcast. <laughs> Okay. So one time I was at Bay Hill and I was uh, working on a story and I ended up walking with Justine uh, Reed for many holes and talking to her about um, Patrick and about their time on tour or whatever. And we were walking up 18 and she mentioned just kind of offhand, you know, the only reason that Tiger ever won here is because he lived right down the street. And so he'd just come over and put on all these greens and he knew where all the breaks were. Like imagine oh if Patrick like, could practice on the same court. That's why Tiger won all the time here is he just, you know, he's Justine. just he's like a neighbor. <laughs> what a take. What a take. And that, like the rare Justine anecdote is not like a third hand thing. Like she literally said that to me on the 18th yeah. green of, of Vail. <laughs> so just remember when you see those highlights of Tiger, like, you know, throwing his hat and like high five and Stevie after making those putts is because he just <laughs> he, so good. He was just a neighbor who knew who knew where the greens broke. He would just go over <laughs> there on Tuesday afternoon and just drive yeah. a cart around and putt on all the greens. What is the like the leaps of logic that have to end in that take? And that's how you won 
one eight <laughs> times there. Like, it, there's it, so many holes in that. It's unbelievable. Just, it excuse, reminds me. Excuse me, guys. I'm, I'm going to putt a little bit here. I'm not 18. <laughs> I know you're a resort guest, but I, I need to practice my putting. It reminds me. I, I was watching a, a college tournament once, and a kid had it going. He was going nuts. He was, I think he was 12 under through 11 or something about about that. Uh, maybe 11 under through 12. And, a, and a, the, a father of an opposing player walked by me and said, God, he's just so lucky today. <laughs> I was like, lucky? Are we watching the same thing? <laughs> um, well, yeah. while we're on the subject to Justine, she's, uh, well, somebody from their family, allegedly, Golf Facts is back. They've, they're alleging Rory's been getting paid off course by the tour. Millions, all caps, millions. These are tweets sent at three in the morning uh, Eastern time. Who knows where the used Golf Facts is tweeting from. Millions over the last four years, uh, maybe even more by being chairman of the pack, mm. which is business business ethics is supposed to be a reasonable amount there's nothing reasonable about paying pack members millions in compensation i'd love to hear more about this uh, alleged this sounds like it's it's one of a, a piece with the tiger one because he putted on these greens lives down the street you know, i think uh, justine needs accusation to, justine needs to go on like ProPublica and pull the yeah. the, <laughs> the tax records of the tour and see and line edit the uh, line edit them to see if there's a line there that rory is like you know Chairman of the pack, ten million dollars <laughs> slush fund. <laughs> Either that or it's like meeting Rory behind a gym with a, like a bag of money. Is that that's the alternative, right? That was a reply to Kyle Porter, who was just you know innocently sharing quotes from Rory about the, the tour, and then used golf facts just pops up out of the ground and starts lobbing maybe, major accusations about the tour paying some of its. Maybe it's the angst that uh, Patrick doesn't have the same type of sponsors as Rory. You know, maybe that's it. But you know, it, 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 maybe they connotate that with him being uh, the pack chairman. That's why he's getting these sponsors. That's the only reason. Uh, I don't think I used that word well. Connotate? No, yeah, that connotes, was not it. Yeah, yeah. I was close. Yeah, you're close <laughs> enough. The other one was an allegation or an accusation that the tour is manipulating shot link data. <laughs> Shuttling well data, baby, boom! <laughs> it's well known they control just about everything. Quite a shame. But I was speaking with a great statistician a few months ago, and he said he stopped looking at Shotlink because it was so flawed and inaccurate. So the tour is deliberately manipulating Patrick's Shotlink data and dumbing down his driving distance and things like that. Strokes gained off the tee. Uh, it's been incorrect for three years. I don't know. It, it's just... Uh, well, he, and, and promotes DP World Tour stats. Uh, they want to use. They said they should use that as an alternative. This is like one of those polls. You know, they do polls well, for like data elections, golf. and then there's one that's like confirmation bias. Like, oh, the Republicans, like the Republican pollster has <laughs> Sample whatever. Size. Yeah. Ted Cruz is going to win by 30 points, and then there's like a Democrat liberal pollster that says, oh, it's like an even race. This feels like the reads. Use golf facts wants them using DP. Well, World the thing Tour. is, I think it was a data golf. It was data golf, and data golf uses DP World Tour yeah. in their stats. 
That's right. That's true. Remember the unskewed polls guy from? Uh, yeah, the, the, he was yeah. like made all those. I think I fear it was the Romney election that Romney. Was <laughs> he was he unskewed the polls. It was just going to show that Romney was going to win in a landslide or something. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, that those are some amazing accusations. We have an over under on how many golf facts tweets there are this year, and the the ones that the manipulating shot link data and that the pack people are taking tons of cash under the table or on the side are two just great ones i mean i don't know if they're the best in the relative zany universe of used golf facts but they're they're pretty good um would have been really great if during phil's block spree that he that used golf facts had come at him with some takes and he had phil had thrown (laughs) the thrown the block at used golf facts (laughs) uh master's fact of the day while we're on real quick question that i just thought of charlie hoffman's not in the field this week i don't think he has played since his comments did he get suspended uh, he didn't play. He hasn't played. I think he's played. He since, has played since Phoenix. I feel like he has. <laughs> Who knows? Right? Could Honda? be true. Maybe he has. Well, Maybe he got. Well, suspended. that could be a sign as to why. Uh, you know, why he could have just gotten clipped by cannon fodder. You, you think big like <laughs> was that conduct unbecoming? Like taking your your beefs to Instagram? Like a, I don't know. He does make a, a thing like if you can get fined for taking your shirt off. Like how do you not get fined for like? tagging Saudi golf in your right? Instagram post, right? Like, Sorry, Jay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, I would put it, tell him to go sit down in the corner oh, he for pl- a while. He played the Genesis. So oh, that right. theory is, uh, is no more. Cannon fodder, Charlie. Um, <laughs> all right. Master's fact of the day. It's March. We forgot to do it on uh, Wednesday's episode, but we have a master's fact of the day. This is our tradition here at uh, shotgun start. The, the, the first men's major of the season bearing down on us. We've got, I don't know, 35 days. We're booked. Andy and I are returning. Make our triumphant return. Last time we were there, Tiger won. It's been a couple of years. End of pandemic intervened, but we're booked. We'll be there. Uh, but now that it's March, let's start with our first Masters Fact of the Day coming from friend of the program, Michael Wolf, Bama Bearcat on Twitter, our, a source of great source of golf history. Here's our loves, first one. Loves the Ryder Cup. One of the biggest Ryder Cup fans. <laughs> Now you're twisting them. Uh, Fun fact. Bobby Jones, founder of Augusta National in the Masters Tournament, played in the event 12 times. In 46 rounds, he never broke par. 46 rounds. Never broke par, Bobby Jones. He did manage even par 72s on six occasions. Now, this was... When Bob, Bob, Mr. Jones was sort of at the end of his career, right? And, and sort of they, they, Clifford Roberts wanted him to play to sort of boost the appeal of the event and, and that, because he was such a superstar in the country. But yeah, never broke par in 12 times. It doesn't really um, uh, match up with Justine's theory. Just about to say. Put your own greens. <laughs> you think that Bobby Jones would have had a huge advantage. <laughs> Another counter argument for Justine's theory that the only reason Tiger won. God, that's an awesome theory. I didn't Tiger not like Bay Hill. I believe that's correct. Yeah, loved Bay Hill. I think he only played it because it was because of Arnie, you know, yeah. Arnie, and it was close. And so. um, all right, so that's your master's fact today. Let's get to Flashback Friday. It's brought to you by Precision Pro Golf, the official rangefinder of the Shotgun Start. You can use the promo code Shotgun Twenty at PrecisionProGolf.com. You get twenty dollars off your NX Nine Slope. It's now March. It hit 60 here yesterday, Kevin, right? We're in Maryland, fellow Marylander. Uh, The season fast approaches if it's not already here. Uh, So, you know, make sure your bag is in chip shape. 
I gotta help? get a, I gotta get a new one because I I left mine on a cart. Mm. It's gone. Magnetized the, uh, to the uh, the, the Occam's razor of the magnet, right? You know, well, the, my problem is I just don't ride in a cart very often, so like there's no experience in remembering. You know, every time the last time I rode in a cart, I almost forgot it. Like the 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 bagroom guy was like hey you're you're range finder and i was like oh so you know that's the problem the magnet super the super magnet's awesome yeah but it yeah. also just becomes part of the cart you know what you need yeah. Eddie, is a label maker just stick your name and phone number on the side and then uh you know you leave it there and somebody will just call you up They're like hey hey are you the guy who left this uh on the cart <laughs> One thing, it's just a gateway into more devices, the rangefinder. Yeah. Uh NX9, it's uh it's I don't know, it's a great rangefinder for me. You love the vibration, right? It's not too expensive. You I haven't had one off. for a while. I've been Free lost. Battery at replacement sea. for life. You haven't lost it, see. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how far away. i am living in an overclub challenge world. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm at the at the uh, mercy of sprinkler heads and sometimes sprinkler heads don't have yardages on them and yep. and then you know you you just you're just guessing you're out there guessing I'm not going to walk around and look for a 150 yard plate I'm just going to guess I'm just going to yep. look and, and pull a club and and try and figure it out and you know it it could be deteriorate leading to poor play so yeah, like, you yeah, know like the Bryson best way to avoid that. that. You're yeah. like Bryson without his compass, you know. Yeah. Like, you ought to be able to have your compass. It's how you learn the game. You know? When there's more due than anticipated, and he just gets completely lost at sea and flummoxed. Uh, anyways, you can go to precisionprogolf.com. Use the promo code SHOTGUN20. Thanks again for their support all year. Uh, great, great guys behind that, and uh, really appreciate their support. All right, Kevin, you wanted us cold on this one. It's Phil. He's timely. It's, you know, he's the... Not the soup of the month, but sort of the you know whipping boy, the, the the horse everybody's you know beating down every day. So let's explore a past. I don't know if it's a it's not a transgression of any kind, right? It's just an odd zany chapter in yeah. the long history of Phil Mickelson. Yeah, it's it's my favorite uh, of Phil's like mid career uh, boredom endeavors, like boredom driven endeavors, uh, and I think. Like, people, maybe they've seen uh, us making jokes about it. Maybe um, occasionally when this comes up, I, I love to, to throw the picture of Phil uh, playing baseball for the Toledo in Mudheads the <laughs> in the cage. So, that like, he, he did a couple things. He took a little batting practice with the Akron Aarons, I think, or Eons. Akron uh, Arrows. Arrows, okay. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. But he, he actually pitched for the Toledo Mudhens, uh, and this was in 2003. So, I want to take us back here. And sort of set the stage a little bit. Uh, this was, you know, before Phil had ever won a major, when right. Phil in general was sort of seen as kind of a, like a, a dopey disappointment. Like, a wasn't quite... <laughs> it, like, 2002 was kind of the year that the maybe the, the Beth Page fans got behind him, and that was the first time that, like, <laughs> Phil actually had some support from the, the sort of crowds uh, instead of, you know... but. By, by 2003, 2003 is honestly probably the worst year of his career uh, as a major. Like, he didn't win a tournament the entire year. He finished third at the Masters at the beginning of the year, and everyone thought, like, okay, this guy is, is maybe he'll finally figure it out. Uh, and I, know I think he had, you know, a he had a couple, like, a, he had a bunch of decent top tens, but he, he plummeted down the money list. Like, he started the year ranked second in the world. He finished 12th in the world that year. And Big Ernie year. 
Yeah. Well, not actually. No. Well, Ernie did win some tournaments, but this is 2003. Of course, you remember the year when Tiger's like in the middle of a swing change, like brought on by his own kind of Pro V Pro V One came out too, or the Axe. Yep. So the beginning of the year, Phil starts by talking shit about uh, Nike golf equipment and basically says, you know, that the one thing that Tiger uh, can't stand is that I can fly it by him now, even though he's got a faster swing speed. He's the only one good enough to overcome inferior equipment, which, of course, like makes Nike lose their minds, like has all the Tiger fanboys flipping out like he's, you know, but there was some validity to it. If you look at the statistics, (laughs) like many things that Phil says, there is some truth to it. It's just a matter of like, you probably shouldn't be saying this out loud. Like Phil has a a very terrible filter when it comes to a lot of these kind of things. It doesn't. It's, it's very content, much make the content gods for that, right? Thank, absolutely. It's very much the that the statement that it, for you can use this for almost everything that Phil says, which is that thing where he said about right after he dunked on Tom Watson was, well, I'm sorry you took it that way. Like, you know, I, I didn't mean it that way at all. Like it, this, the Nike golf thing was 100% that. So this year, Mike Weir, Jim Furyk, Ben Curtis, and Sean McKeel all win majors. Ooh. Yeah, you know. Uh, there's like I think John Feinstein right Dickens, but not yeah, slim enough for Feinstein yeah. to <laughs> Feinstein a, book out of it. A fairly forgettable book about uh, <laughs> the Mormon of glory of that stuff. So, <laughs> so forgettable well, book about a forgettable you know major quartet. But whatever. Correct. Okay, yep. got it. So uh, we we come through this whole year, and Phil he's just kind of blah. Like he's, he just really doesn't show any show up at any of the other majors except for Augusta when he. He plays well that year, but then it's just, I think he finishes like in the top 50 in the U.S. Open and and the championship and, you know, another poor showing in the British. So word sort of trickles out at the end of August that Phil really wants to um, show his chops at pitching professionally, all right? And so his his swing coach, Rick Smith, uh, has him like... Like actually pitching. Actually, actually pitching, pitching. Not, not like, like a ceremonial not as a novelty thing. thing. Like, actual, like, like so, I can be a pitcher in the, as part of Phil's warm up routine in these years. Phil has like thrown a baseball. I like he sometimes, this. sometimes you'll see clips of this in the parking lot. He occasionally still yes. does it. He has his glove on and he's throwing pitches out there. And and so, it was like it, on coverage all the time. Yes. They would always show it. This was like this was like the players walk up video or Tiger walking into the clubhouse. Correct. Like. This was what they showed for Phil before the round. Phil out there like he's, you know, one of the Kennedys, like just throwing a ball, all-American guy, whatever, you know. He says he's doing this to keep his rotator cuff healthy. Like this is a, a thing, apparently. And he, not only is he doing this after, like to keep healthy or whatever, he, start, he eventually starts to believe that he can throw like major league, like, curveballs and spit and sliders he starts working with tom, with tom house okay tom house famous like pitching guru uh who who not only he's like a throwing guru i guess because he works some with tom brady and stuff and he's i'm sure tom house was happy to cash phil's checks <laughs> but the idea that like anyone deluded phil into thinking he had a major league uh any major league pitches is, is just incredible, as you'll see. I so, wanna, can I get back to the? It feels like a, um, a specious health claim. Yeah, I, I'd like to help your rotator cuff. Yeah, is it pitching supposed to be horrible? Or you're like, isn't that why these guys all yes. have surgery? Basically, they all have elbow surgery, right? Over time, like yeah. It, yeah. I, I think the idea that the throwing a baseball yeah. throwing a baseball yeah. could help your rotor cuff rotator cuff <laughs> seems 
like to go against like science and sports uh, <laughs> kinesiology, but I didn't don't know. He, maybe. Didn't he have some claim that it helped his golf swing too? That this was like the best way for him to warm up for a round of golf. Uh, yes, uh, there medical were medical claims. From also, Phil. in there, the, basically, like if you if you trace back everything that Phil has ever done, it's basically some version of like, well, I'm bored and I need something to <laughs> sort of like entertain me, and then like convincing himself that this is the way. Whether it's yeah. like you know, they, if you look back over his career. There's times when he's like, you know, I'm just super into stats right now. Stats are just incredible. I, I think that's an untapped potential in the game. No one else has thought of this. And then like a year later, he'll be like, you know what? I am just really a field player. I just absolutely, <laughs> I know that I have this long swing and that is the key to my, and then he's like, we'll be like, you know, I just really am into carrying two drivers. Like two drivers is the way. Like no one else has ever thought of this, but two drivers is great. And then the next year it's like, you know what I really need is a two wood. Like I, this is no one has ever thought about carrying a two wood. And I know I have cracked the code. You know, five wedges. Yeah, five, five wedges. wedges. Uh, you know, I'm a super duper family man. I'm super into fitness. I'm not so much into fitness. I'm into meditating. I'm into yoga. I'm into skiing. Like if you here's, a, here's it, a question. I kind of feel like Rory has some Phil tendencies. That, that is perhaps fair. Yeah, Rory like needing like to tell you, him. You can transfer Rory into this. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm not worrying about the Masters at all. I don't play practice <laughs> rounds. I go for the wine cellar. I juggle. Yes. You know, I meditate. Which, you know, Phil did this in part for a long time because he needed to tell himself a story that allowed him to not be like a failure for having never won a major. Right. And so yeah. some way Rory is telling himself the same story. Well, the reason I haven't won the masters is because I just haven't told myself the right story and that I, this will help me kind of unplug from this. So <laughs> back to Phil's uh, baseball career. So Rick Smith, his coach for a lot of this time, by the way, this whole year, Phil had messed up his swing because he had decided to shorten his backswing, which he decided was going to make him a better driver. And the whole year, like he went completely off the rails and was like the worst driving year of his career. So he's like in between. So anyway, but in, during all this time, Rick Smith is like, you know what we should do is have you pitch for the Toledo Mud Hens. And he calls up this guy, uh, Mike Napoli, I think is his name. Uh, and he's, who is like a, Old friend AAA. Of Smith. Triple A. Yeah, it's Triple A, right? Yes. He was a catcher, I, right? Was he a catcher? Like uh, ball. Yeah, so let me, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, Joe Napoli. So this is not Joe. Mike Napoli. Joe Napoli is the is CEO and president. So, uh, and the, their chairman, guy named Mike Miller. I think that's the guy who's friends with Smith. So he's like, they, the Mud Hands, as you know, like basically like minor league baseball is like one stupid scam after the next, right? Like there's no like real, like the people yeah. who run the teams. All they want to do is like think up like goofy scams to get people into the park. Whereas the actual like players and the organizations that sort of farm this out, they're more interested in sort of, you know, having an actual competitive product put on the field. And the teams have to sort of like the, the minor league organizations have to kind of go by what the teams want to a degree. But the, the mud hands really want <laughs> Phil to be able to pitch into a game. And so <laughs> this, the chairman, Mike Miller, he keeps calling Dave Dombrowski. All right. And he says, this is a quote. I must have called Dave Dombrowski half a dozen times. I'm sure I was driving him crazy. 
So, Tigers, this is the Tigers GM. The, the Tigers the, GM. Mud right? Hens are the AAA affiliate of the Tigers. So the Tigers, if you remember back then, they're one of the worst teams in the history of baseball, right? They lose 119 games that year. And poor Dave Dombrowski has to get like six phone calls like over the course of a month <laughs> from, the, from the Toledo Mud Hens president being like, hey, you know, it would really help us out if Phil could get into a game and pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so... Finally, the the, mud, the the Tigers are like, fine, like, let him come and like, let, let's see if he's got anything or whatever. And so apparently like Steve Loy, like Mickelson's agent is like really not happy with the mud hits. <laughs> he's like, he doesn't want Phil to do this. Don't he, indulge him. No, don't indulge him. He doesn't, want the, he doesn't want Phil to do this, but he knows he can't tell Phil. And so he's like pissed at the mud hits for like letting him do this, right? But... So Phil has legitimately what come to believe that he has a major league quality arm. So there's a quote from, <laughs> from Mud Hens CEO Joe Napoli. He says, Phil Mickelson was all in. He firmly believed he had a major league curveball. <laughs> so before before the tryout, okay, they, they kind of label this as a tryout. The Mud Hens, they send out a release to the, to the public, okay? <clears throat> and it says... <clears throat> In the tradition of other two-sport athletes, such as Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, <laughs> Jim Thorpe, and Gene Conley, oh, no. we oh, look no. forward to seeing what Phil can accomplish. All right, they put this in a release. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so, of course, this is catnip of, like, this is 2003 catnip, like, crazy for the golf media. Someone, yeah. like, goes up to, goes up to Tiger uh, on the range or whatever, and before, like, in the tournament that week, and I think it was in Boston, and says, you know, have you heard that Phil's trying out for the, for the Mud Hens? And Tiger says, good luck. <laughs> that's the totality of his quote. All right. So, oh, that's good. comes around, finally, so Phil shows up, and he puts on his uniform, looking, just looking like a little boy, just dopey and gleeful. Okay. <laughs> And this was when he was a little doughier. He was too. definitely a little doughier. Okay, being compared to Bo Jackson, yes. Jim Thorpe, Jim Thorpe. Like even better. Other yeah. other yeah. two sports. Deion Sanders. <laughs> so, so Larry Parrish, who's the Mud Hens manager, former major leaguer, like former Montreal Expo, just scrappy yeah. dude, like you know, basically got everything he could out of his career. Career. He looks at this lumpy boy and he says. <laughs> No effing way am I going to allow position players to take cuts against this guy. Like, this guy might die. <laughs> so, he tells... And part of the negotiation with the, between the Tigers and the Mudhands is that Dabrowski was, like, basically, like, all right, look, we cannot let this guy pitch in a game unless he has something. So, like, let him, like, throw some batting practice or whatever and, like, tell me, bring back a report of what he might be able to do, all right? So, <laughs> Parrish... Lumpy boy. Lumpy boy. So, Parrish sizes up the situation. He sees Phil kind of throwing warm-ups in the bullpen, and he's like, no, this is... <laughs> so, he tells him he's, he's only the pitchers are going to be allowed to hit against Phil, all right? No position <laughs> players. Okay. <laughs> I want to I pause there and, and note that, like... You need to remember that Phil is pitching right-handed, okay? So, yeah, yeah. if you know anything about baseball, you just know that, like, left-handed hitters are, like, a, a com or left-handed pitchers are a commodity. Like, if you can throw 84 right. and you're a lefty, there might be a spot for you, like, on a major league roster. Because you always need, like, left-handers to come in and, like, face other yeah. left-handers or whatever. But Phil is not a left-handed pitcher. <laughs> He's a right-handed <laughs> pitcher. Your, okay. Your garden variety righty throwing 80. Yeah. 
two or something. Okay. So, All right. the, a couple years ago, the Toledo Blade, which is where a lot of these quotes are going to be from, so let's super give a shout out to them. They interviewed AJ Hinch, who's the current Tigers manager, and they asked him, you know, what was he was down in Toledo, like rehabbing his knee. He was a major leaguer, but he's down. And they said, you know, what was what were Phil's pitches like? <laughs> and said, pretty soft. Hinch said with a smile. <laughs> Pretty soft. A little light. <laughs> Intent was really good. Competitiveness was really good. But a little light below the hitting speed of what we're used to. I don't think you could really tell the difference between his primary pitches and his secondary pitches. It was a valiant effort, though. <laughs> so, Phil gets in there and against, in the, uh, in the first, against the first batter, all right? And they, they, got, they got the radar gun going because, like, if he's going to pitch in an actual game, like, they want to know, like, what the velocity is. He tops out his fastest pitch at 68 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> he's just out there just throwing meatballs. <laughs> so, I, in preparation for this, I looked this up. You remember Tim Wakefield, the infamous pirate, yeah. pirate Red Sox pitcher? Knuckler. Yeah, Knuckler. Tim's, Tim. knuckle, Tim's knuckleball was generally between 66 and 69 <laughs> miles an hour. So Phil's... And that's a different universe. Yes. I mean, it's a, he's got movement and action. Yes. So, <laughs> Phil, so Tim Wakefield's knuckleball was as fast as Phil Mickelson's <laughs> fastball. Okay. <laughs> So before, like, before this all happened, like Phil had showed up and he, he gets on his uniform, you know, and he hands like $1,300 to like the clubhouse attendant and says, hey, go get a, a different spread from Outback Steakhouse. All right. Because <laughs> he really, Phil really wants to like be the big swinging dick yeah, who like, yeah. you know, <laughs> treating these minor leaguers. Uh, yeah. So Parrish, he looks at it. And he, this is a quote from Parrish in the, to the blade. He said, if he could have thrown in the 80s, Dave Dombrowski was okay with him pitching one <laughs> inning in Toledo, all right? Steve Avery. Remember Steve Avery, the, the Braves pitcher? Yeah. So Steve yeah. Avery gets gets into the box, all right? He's the first pitcher to face Phil. And he's with the Tigers at the time. It's kind of the end of his career. He almost takes Phil's head off with a line drive. Just it like <laughs> buzzes the tower. And it's a er pitcher. The pitcher. Okay. Everyone is worried that like Phil might die. Okay. <laughs> Parrish turns to like one of his people and says, This is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so they try to get him to pitch from behind one of those L screens, right? Yeah. But Oh, he was out there without a screen. Oh, absolutely. Yes. He was oh, it, my God. they try to get him to pitch from behind the L screen so he doesn't die. But Phil, it, Phil is insistent that he get to pitch for sitting real. Doc, just sitting Dan and Potter Charlie yeah. up there on the mound with no screen. So this, okay. an, this is another quote from, from Parrish. He says, the Avery thing was a missile right over the top of his head. If it had been three inches lower. Oh, and then he, he told the Mudhens president, I can see the headline now. One of the best golfers in the world is killed at Mudhens batting practice. <laughs> So somehow, like Phil survives this, they, yeah. they, he throws to like eighteen batters. Uh, it's all all pitchers. all pitchers except for one, like the worst hitting catcher on the team, comes <laughs> up to the plate carrying a sand wedge, and you know, like as a joke, yeah. and everyone laughs. Good, good charm. So Phil survives, uh, probably certainly because Parrish sent his worst hitters to face him. But afterwards, uh. Phil sort of credits the fact that no one hit a home run off of him because of the movement of his slit-fingered fastball. <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> so one golf writer jokes that Phil, what Phil thought was a split finger movement was probably just gravity taking over. <laughs> so the golf press is like pretty merciless during this. So Randall Mel, you know, golf was a golf writer. He's, I think he's at the South Florida at Sun Sentinel this time, wrote that you needed an egg timer to clock Phil's pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Bonk writes that you, you his pitches couldn't even break an egg. So apparently there's a lot of egg-based humor in the golf yeah, rider world this time. Another Brad Locke says that Stevie Wonder could have gotten a hit off of him. <laughs> so oh, someone, how does this get word, gets word back to the fellow players? And Azinger tells reporters he could probably be pretty effective out there because most of those guys haven't seen a 68-mile fa- mile an hour fastball since Little League. <laughs> <laughs> and of course so changing up speed over time this has kind of become like a little bit uh, the, the legend of it has sort of grown like oh phil was just having fun like phil yeah. you know he just wanted to live a dream like he didn't actually think he was serious or whatever which is total bs because you can if you tell looking back at some of the quotes like phil was dead serious about like he believed that he could pitch in the minors <laughs> he says and this is after the tryout okay so after stevie avery almost takes his head off after a bunch of pitchers like rock him he says i'm just hoping that dave dombrowski is open and receptive to the idea if not i understand i would never do anything to discredit the game so and the mud hens they really want to do it they want him to pitch into a game they want to like yeah. make it into a, like a big promotional thing and so the tigers like has to sort of explain to dombrowski what happened and dombrowski is like mike he says to mike miller i cannot do it he was, he just, I, like, Dabrowski says, I'm afraid of becoming a laughing stock. And so Parrish, <laughs> Parrish is explaining, like, talking to Dabrowski about it. And because Parrish had to kind of give the, like, the full, like, Parrish is, like, the kind of guy who, like, was just gritty. Like, you know, he scraped yeah. together a 15-year Major League career, like, you know, hustled and everything. He, here's Larry Parrish having to explain to Dame Dabrowski in the middle of a 119 loss season. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I told Dave that he was throwing about 75 miles an hour, or 70 miles an hour. And he was like, oh my God. <laughs> he said, "We." He said, Larry, you've got to handle this diplomatically, but you've got to tell him. <laughs> says, that wasn't a time where Dave wanted a publicity stunt and we could laugh about it. If the Tigers had been winning like 90-something games a year, I could have seen it. You could have had a big night and publicized it, no doubt, but it was bad timing, and I was sort of caught in the middle. I could see both sides. So Mickelson says, afterwards, this is more proof that Phil thought this was a real thing. He said he was disappointed that the Tigers didn't sign him to a one-day contract, but, in, but he oh understood. God. In fact, he felt like it still might happen. If I can get my velocity up, we may revisit this, Phil says. <laughs> Golf is my number one priority and always will be. Throwing a baseball is an important part of my workout program. So I can, if I can get my speed up to 85 miles an hour or above consistently, or above consistently, I wouldn't rule out trying this again. <laughs> so poor Larry Parrish has to let Phil down. And he, sa- he decides to do this by saying, you know, Phil... I'm a better than an average golfer and you're better than average person who throws, but I'm not close to being a professional golfer and a professional golfer who throws for fun. Isn't being, isn't close to being a professional pitcher. And that's how they sort of like, like a child, like talked Phil down yeah, and say yeah. that it was okay. So one last footnote I found about this is that another, like it was, this is in a golf week article uh, that kind of was printed like a year after this happened is supposedly like Titleist 
cited the baseball incident as one of the final straws in deciding to end their relationship with Mickelson. And this was after he'd won the Masters in 2004. He wanted to renegotiate his deal and get more money from Titleist, which still had like another year on it. And they said, you know what? We are just done. We are sick of this. Like the baseball thing combined with like all of your... So like he had done really well. In 2004, he was like, great. I think he finished second in the US Open that year. It's like Phil was like on the rise and it was like, they were like, nope. And that's how he ended up, you know, moving on to Callaway course he has the sort of disaster at Callaway in the Ryder Cup he plays terribly but I thought it kind of brought us full circle to the fact that now he gets booted by Callaway for doing something else that's not related to golf so interesting a big a big wow. shout out to David Briggs of the Toledo Blade who did a lot of the interviews with Parrish and some of the other guys uh, that ended up being quotes uh, in this but uh truly uh, one of my favorite like memory hold episodes of Phil Mickelson's career when he genuinely believed that he could come in like Ricky Vaughn out of the bullpen for the Toledo Mudhens and pitch uh, like strike out the side uh, to his adoring fans with 68 mile an hour heat. This is the thing. It plays to the point that all these, all these great players are just completely irrationally confident. Totally. You know? Not only in their own bubbles, right? Like, so you know yeah. that when Phil was like playing catch with Rick Smith or whomever, Steve Lloyd, that someone was like, boy, Phil, you got some movement on that. And it feels like, yeah, watch this curveball. Bet you couldn't hit this <laughs> like in the yeah. behind the trailers in the PGA, like, you know, parking lots, like just throwing, you know, just wicked. Uh, what do they call that? Ephus balls, remember, where they throw like the, yeah, the Ephus pitch, pitch yeah. that uh, just floats yeah. to the mount. That was that was how Phil could get dudes out. You honestly think, I mean, he honestly thought he could. He could pitch, yes. right? I mean, this he, was a real thing. It's not some, like, stunt. No, he really believed that he was going to get a, a one-day contract with the uh, with the Mud Hens and that he was at least going to get to pitch in AAA, that that was, you know, come in for an inning, um, you know, and, and if it went well, who knows, but that this was Phil's so uh, good. belief. So, so good. Just uh, truly... 68, it, topping out at 68. Yeah. Holy crap. Uh, That's uh, good. Do you Kevin. think Big Erd would have been a better pitcher than <laughs> Phil as well as a better player? I mean, a lot of a lot of big frame on Big Earn, big leverage. You know, if he could drive his legs, yeah. and uh, you remember Roger Clemens type from uh, Big Earn, you know, just <laughs> drive off that back leg. So he does have that frame. Uh, all right, this was a that great, was, uh, incredible. <laughs> I honestly would. I I had I have a working knowledge that this happened only because of you. Like you used the term memory hold, like. Totally forgot, knew it ex- didn't know existed until like because your devotion to this little quirk of Phil's career, like I had a working knowledge of it or an understanding that it happened, but not the specifics. Because whenever we do the just- the Phil spotlight, this we're just gonna cut this out and put it in yeah. in the middle of part eighteen of it. Uh, I hope that there's a, a brief uh, snippet of this in the Shipnock book, but like Phil contains so many multitudes that like you could you know there's yeah. so many different things. But I in part I know this story well because my dad i was like a phil fan growing up and my dad just mercilessly teased me about this when it happened that he was you know that he threw 68 and that there were kids in my i think i was in little league at the time or whatever and there were definitely kids who threw like high 70s who you know my dad was making fun of me like you're facing faster pitches than like what phil can throw out there and he just thinks he's like super confident to this so oh so good so good all right, that's your Precision Pro Flashback Friday for March 4th. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. We will have you back again. I know. you are. Uh, we, we're just happy we could provide you an adequate recording uh, atmosphere this time. It was a disservice wow. 
last time the, around, but we'll have you again. Thank it's you. It's all part time. of the. It's all part of the love. I just. I'm glad that someone provided me a, an, a forum to to air this Phil episode uh, because I've I've made jokes about it for many years over Twitter. I don't think people really believe. <laughs> Uh, that it actually happened in part because I'm such an old man now that I was one of the few people in golf, uh, younger golf media to live through it. Uh, so I'm yeah. glad now that I can just, instead of tweeting the picture of the dopey boy in his like mud hens jacket, uh, taking cuts <laughs> or throwing balls that I can just tweet the link to this episode. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Kevin, thanks so much. Uh, everyone enjoy your weekends. Uh, we'll be back with the full Bay Hill review and uh, start setting us up for the gold standard, the players. Kevin, uh, thanks again. Appreciate it. Bye, guys.